Amen. Let's look in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. I want to share a message entitled, Through Grace. Through Grace. Acts chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And uh, read on down for a few verses here together. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. A certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other men of them uh, should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, uh, they were received of the church. And the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by the mouth uh, by my mouth should uh, hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they held, had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles, to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof and will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all, thing, uh, all these things." Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from among the Gentiles have turned to God, but that, they, that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased at the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barasabas, 
and Silas, uh, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner, and the apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to, unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you of our beloved Barabbas and Paul, uh, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, uh, um, uh, um, who shall also tell you the th same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication and from, from which, if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So when they were dis dismissed... They came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles." Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to read this great passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that is unveiled for us, uh, confirming that we're saved and we're saved through grace and grace alone. And I'm thankful, Lord, that we can have faith to believe that to the saving of our soul. And I would pray, Lord, if there's someone here tonight who's never been saved by grace through faith, uh, that they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. I pray for every believer that we would have this great truth settled and uh, um, uh, just secure and solid in our thought process and in our belief system that we could go out and be challenged to share with others that they might come to know Christ also. And so, Lord, speak to us, and uh, Lord, we're listening. We want to hear from you tonight. And so bless the preaching of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 11. says, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. So through grace... Uh, this chapter begins and ends with two great disagreements between believers. And it's a hard thing to believe that believers actually have disagreements among them. <laughs> but uh, we do have disagreements among ourselves. You see it in the scriptures and certainly you see it uh, in the church. But uh, one of the requirements, one of the disagreements that was a great controversy was the requirement for salvation, and that's what this chapter is all about. Chapter 15 is discussing the reality of how a person is saved. Are they saved by keeping the law? 
Uh, are they saved by grace alone? Or are they saved by being circumcised? How is a person saved? And uh, it, this chapter really is identified as the first church council uh, in the history of the church uh, that settles that once for all how a person is saved. They're saved through grace. So a great controversy here over the requirements for salvation. But the other great controversy, and we didn't read about it, but it's at the end of the chapter, is a controversy over requirements for service. And we know the Apostle Paul had taken John Mark with him on a missionary journey, and John Mark had returned. And when uh, Paul got ready to go back on the mission field again and go back and visit the churches that were established, he did not feel it was good to take John Mark with him because he had gone back off of the mission field. Now, we don't know why John Mark went back. Uh, all we know, the Bible says that he did go back. I don't know whether he was oppressed by demonic influence, because for sure there was much demonic influence in the ministry of the Apostle Paul and John Mark, uh, or whether he was just longing to be home, or we don't know if there was a doctrinal issue. Nothing is stated other than he went back. And then when Paul goes back on the mission field, uh, with John Mark, he did not want to take him along, but Barnabas said that we need to take him. And there was no, the Bible says, there was no small contention between them. In other words, it was a big blowout. I mean, they really had a problem with each other. However, uh, in the area of doctrinal teaching, clear doctrinal teaching, there was a, a mutual agreement to believe what's based on the word of God. We're saved by grace through faith. However, when it came to personal preferences, and that's Paul's preference was not to take John Mark with him. Barnabas's uh, um, preference was to take John Mark with him. On the basis of personal preference, there was a mutual agreement to disagree agreeably. <laughs> so, because you don't see a division between John, I mean, the Apostle Paul and between Barnabas. A matter of fact, later on, you'll find that Paul will actually say, desiring for Mark to be with him, because he said Mark was profitable for the ministry. Now, the reality is there are times when we may disagree on our personal preferences, but the sad thing is oftentimes there's too many church splits and too many uh, separations of believers from believers based on preferences and not on doctrine. And uh, doctrine is what divides us, and that's what we hold to. And this chapter is all about settling it once for all, whether or not we are saved by grace or not. And so the conclusion in verse 11 is, is but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as the, they. And you say, well, wait a minute, we know that. We understand that. Uh, but the reality is, in present day Christianity, uh, there is a problem about the way of salvation. There's lordship salvation that is pushed constantly. Uh, you need to have receive the, Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I don't receive him as my Lord because he already is the Lord. Uh, I receive him as my Savior by faith, by the grace of God. And what happens, we have a, a whole group of people today that think there are things that they have to do in order to be in submission to the Lordship of Christ as a means of salvation. And that's not true at all. 
And uh, I remember my uh, um, aunt and my uncle and my aunt were Methodists. And over the years, I tried to witness to them. And uh, my uncle uh, passed away several years ago. I don't know if my aunt's still alive or not. But I remember talking to them uh, multiple times and trying to lead them to the Lord. And they would say without fail, well, Michael, we just all we can do is the best that we can. And I'd always say, Ann Evelyn, the best that we can is not good enough. And so they have this concept coming out of Methodism that you have to work, you have to do good deeds in order to experience the salvation of God. And the reality is religions or churches that impress that on people, the people never have assurance and never have hope that they're going to heaven when they die. Why? Because everything is dependent on what they can do. And here in the chapter 15 of Acts, the impression is by the Pharisees and by the Jewish leaders was that they had to do something in order to be saved and that something was they needed to be circumcised. And, and wait a minute, no, you can't keep the law of Moses and uh, be able to be saved. You're saved by grace and grace alone. And so it is important for you to understand that because of the fact that people you're going to talk to from just about every religion has some forms of works salvation. And because they have a form of works salvation, that means they're saying in order to be saved, you have to believe in Christ plus do whatever it may be, A, B, C, or D. And so this created a great controversy in the early church, and they had to get it settled. The interesting thing is this, is that uh, uh, they uh, didn't ignore the problem, but rather they sent Paul and Barnabas very quickly down to Jerusalem to address and to correct the problem. In 2019 in America, if there is a problem, we want to ignore it. We don't want to address it. We don't want to identify what the problem is because we've got this mindset that we've all got to try to get along and everybody has their own opinion. And the reality is, is God is the final authority on what we believe and how we live. And so there's a great controversy that was developed in the life of the Paul, Apostle Paul and Barnabas and they had to go down to Jerusalem to settle this great controversy. Notice, first of all, the question. You have to ask, ask the question, understand the question. Um, you know, um, I remember hearing old preachers say years ago, most preachers are answering questions that nobody's asking. <laughs> and the reality is there are questions people are asking and they're the questions we must address. And in verse 1 it says, Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the matter of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so that's the question. They created this false teaching. They came down and impressed upon the Gentile believers. And this was the problem because the Jews from Jerusalem came down to address the Gentiles who had trusted Christ as their Savior because they had never been circumcised or never obeyed uh, the law of Moses. And so they create this question in the minds of people, am I really saved or aren't I saved? Is there something else that I have to do? Sometimes I talk with people 
try to lead them to the Lord, and you say, well, you know, you just got to call on the name of the Lord. You got to believe. If you believe in your heart, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all you got to do. And people say that's too easy. Well, apparently it's not too easy because you can't bring yourself to do it. I just thought about that. It's pretty good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> it's interesting how many times people say it's too easy, but they can't do it. And what, well, what's holding you back? Why don't you call on the, Well, yeah, I have my religion. I have this and I have that. So the question has to be addressed. How is a person saved? And how do I receive Christ as my Savior? So there's the question that created the great controversy. There's the disputation that took place in verse 2. In verse 2 it says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. I mean, this was not a light, casual conversation. And it says this, And certain other men of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And so they weren't going up there for any other reason, but rather they disputed with these individuals that the doctrine they were bringing and the oppression they were bringing upon the Gentiles was not necessary and it was corrupting the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone. Uh, I remember years ago, there was this big meeting. I even forget. I'm, I'm hesitant even to try to say something about it, trying to bring the memory back from uh, this thing. But it was a big, big meeting of evangelical pastors in America. And it was this big thing they signed and being in agreement together. It was a big, big ecumenical movement. And uh, it was, they signed this document that they were accepting of other faiths, including the Catholic Church with work salvation and all this, that, and the other. And I, I'll tell you what, there was some sharp disputations going on in reference to what was happening. And anybody who spoke out against it was marked as a legalist. Now, wait a minute, who's trying to be legalistic? You're putting on here, you got to do all these things in order to be saved. Doctrinal error always creates a great controversy, and we must hold to the scriptures and not turn our back on what the Word of God says, especially in this area of salvation, because of the fact if you get the plan of salvation wrong, you're condemning a soul to hell. Uh, it's alarming to me that people just take such a lighthearted position on things. Oh, well, that's what they believe. No, that's sending them to hell. And so there was no small disputation between them. Notice in verse 3 and 4, the declaration that took place. It says, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem... Uh, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. The declaration is this. People were getting saved. The Jew was thinking, really, they had to corner on the market, if you will, of salvation, and people had to be saved by keeping the law of Moses. And the reality is Paul and Barnabas come back, and they declare to them, this is what God has done. This is the, those who have trusted Christ. 
These are the evidences that their life was changed by grace through faith. And so a great declaration. Somebody can argue with you about all kinds of things, but they cannot argue with you about your experience of having hope and the peace of God that passes all understanding because you trusted Christ by grace and grace alone. And so uh, they, they declared what God was doing. The greatest thing that we can do in our witnessing is to testify to others what God has done in our heart. God ought to be doing something in your life. He really ought to be. Uh, he done, did something great in our life when he saves us. He continues to do great things in our life as he grows and matures us. And every, every week, every day, we ought to be able to be experiencing something from God that we can tell somebody else about what God is doing. The declaration, these are the things that God is doing in our life. And so they come and they declare these things. And then they present the consideration. This is what they wanted the church at Jerusalem to consider. Now you understand this is a church. Jerusalem was a city that was turned upside down by the preaching of the apostles. And here they are already having problems in the church. When it comes to doctrinal issues, the, the very foundational, uh, necessary doctrine to hold to is a way of salvation. Uh, so here's the consideration in verse uh, 5 and 6. But there arose, certain, there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Uh, well, I have a message. I might pull it out of my file and preach it again. It's called, Then Cometh the Pharisee. It's just interesting. Every time the Pharisee shows up, there's controversy. Amen. And uh, so in verse 5, it says, And there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. These were actually believers. And it goes on here saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, the Bible says they believed. So I'd have to think that they believed on Christ. I don't think the Bible has any errors in it. But this certainly is a misguided believer, that's for sure. At the very least, it's a misguided believer. And here he is a Pharisee which believed, but then he goes and adds to it, you have to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised in reference to this way of salvation. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. I mean, it had gotten that drastic, that controversial, that they had to come together and figure this out, what was going on. They had to come to a conclusion. So there's a great controversy. There is a great inquiry in verses 7 through 18. Because what they do in verse 7 through 18, they start to examine the information. They start examining what is going on. They start talking about the gospel. They talk about how they needed to believe. They reveal about those that were witness to him. And Peter relates in this evaluation or inquiry in verses 7 through 18, Peter relates four facts in reference to this matter of salvation of the Gentiles. First of all, Peter reminds them that God called Peter to preach to the Gentiles that they must believe. That's what it says in verse 7. And when they had much disputing, uh, Peter rose up and said unto them. I was thinking when I was rereading through the message this morning, and I was reading, rereading through that, I was like, well, you know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up. 
And I read here, here they got a controversy about doctrinal truth about salvation. Peter stood up. Uh, there, it is necessary. It is absolutely necessary at times of great controversy for men to stand up. And uh, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And these are not days to lie down. These are days where we must stand up. And because I'm telling you our freedoms are being taken and the, and the world is getting more and co more corrupt. It's becoming more and more difficult to try to lead people to Christ. The devil, the God of this world, is alive and well and fighting against the will of God and the way of God, blinding people lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into their hearts. And that the only way you're going to change it is for believers to stand up. And so here they are. Dealing with this controversy, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And so Peter reveals what God had revealed to him. We know that took place in Acts chapter 10 where God shows Peter that he needed to go down to the house of Cornelius. And by Peter going to the house of Cornelius, that was the door that opened the gospel to flow to the Gentile nations. And I'm thankful that Peter, as a Jew, was willing to do what God had called him to do in presenting the gospel to the Gentiles. You know, right now, the Gentiles who are saved need to find an open door to witness to the Jew. It's flipped around now. The Jew was saved. The Jew did trust Christ. The Jew was preaching to the Gentiles that they should be saved. But now the Jew has rejected Christ and they're lost and they're without hope. And Gentiles have the hope of faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We need to have God open a door for us to talk to the Jew. So Peter was called to preach to the Gentiles. God gave the Gentiles the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 10 in verse 44 through 46 without circumcision. In other words, when the uh, Gentiles in Cornelius' house believed, immediately the evidence of their salvation was the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. You know, it'd be nice if we started shaking the world up again where the world gets shocked by what God does. Amen. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? See, Peter identifies some facts for them to consider when it comes to this matter. How are we saved? By grace or are we saved by keeping the law? He says, let's remember that God 
called me, God sent me down to the Gentiles to preach so that they might believe. And the evidence of that was they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Then he gives them the fact that God has put no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. In verse 9 he says, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He said, now wait a minute, they, they were purified, their hearts were converted by faith. It wasn't by keeping the law, it wasn't by being circumcised, it wasn't by bringing a sacrifice to the temple. This, this salvation they experienced was by faith and faith alone. And then God saves every one of us the same way, by grace. That's why he comes to this conclusion in verse 11 but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Let's not forget, there is a great inquiry. People are wanting to know. Uh, we have to stir an interest. We have to capture their attention in their hearts that they might want a desire to know who Christ is. So Peter relates four facts. Uh, Paul and Barnabas rehearsed personal experience. I mean, I'll tell you, they're bringing it all out here in this of a, a, of a controversy that they're dealing with. Uh, in verse 12, notice that Paul and Silas tell what God did. He did great miracles and wonders. It says then in verse 12, then all the multitude kept silent and uh, gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And boy, I'll tell you, when God starts showing up and God starts doing something, uh, people take notice of what's going on. Uh, you don't have to create an environment of entertainment. Uh, you, you don't have to create an environment of, of enthusiasm. All you need is for God to do something miraculous and people start paying attention. And so Paul and Barnabas share personal experience. We were down with the Gentiles, and this is what God started doing, great wonders and great miracles among them. Not only did they tell what God did, but they told to whom God did it. Who did he do it to? He didn't do it to the Jews. He did it to the Gentiles. Now, the Jews knew what signs and wonders were from God. They certainly, on the day of Pentecost, saw Peter stand up and preach in 19 different languages at one time. 3,000 souls were saved. Believers were, uh, people were converted to faith in Jesus Christ. And literally, the place was shaken because of the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. They know what it is to see miracles and wonders performed. And God, uh, Paul and Barnabas are saying, wait a minute. By personal experience, we've seen God do with the Gentile what he did in the Jew. Great inquiry. Then James reminds them what the word of God says. So here's Peter stating facts. Here's Paul sharing experience and James establishing the word. And so notice he declares in verse 13 that God's plan of salvation here and now, right now, he says in, in verse 13, and they that held their peace, and James answered, saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. He's saying this is the way God works, and this is what God did. Not only is the plan of salvation here and now, but the prophecy of salvation is fulfilled now. He says in verse 15, and to this, 
And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. And so he said prophecy, prophetically, God said this is what he would do in the, through the life of the Gentiles that would be saved. And then he identifies God's providence in salvation is known from the beginning until now. In verse 18, known to God, uh, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. In other words, he's saying God knows what he's doing. God saved the Jew. God opened the door for the gospel to go to the Gentile. The Gentile got saved apart from fulfilling the law of the Jew. And he got saved by grace through faith. And so the great controversy uh, opens up a great inquiry, uh, which leads to a great mastery. Uh, first of all, we see there was a message that was delivered in verse 19, 24, 28, 31, 34. You read through here, all these different verses declare a message that salvation is by grace. Over and over again, it says salvation is by grace. And so salvation is by grace. The message, the message of sanctification by separation. And so literally, not only we're saved by grace, but the sanctified life is a life that is lived out, removing ourselves from the world and separating ourselves unto our God. And so that's why he says, the only thing we can do is command them. They, by grace, have believed. Their faith has converted their soul. And so the only thing we can do is deal with their sanctification, which is basically keep from meats offered to idols. Keep from blood. Keep from things strangled. Keep from fornication. Uh, by this, you do well if you were to keep and observe those things. And so it had nothing to do with salvation. It had everything to do with their sanctification and gave them. These regulations provided a means of avoiding the abuse of Christian liberty and also legalism added to the grace of God. And so Paul and Barnabas, James is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem I thought it was interesting. There's so many things you can learn out of this chapter. I thought it was interesting when there came up a controversy in reference to how people are saved, they didn't go to a denominational headquarters. They went to a church. And they went to the church where, from which there was this false teaching coming. And they came and they met at the church and James was the pastor of the church and the person who brings the final conclusion to the matter is not Peter and it's not Paul, it's James. And just, it's interesting to see how that, that works out together. Why? Because salvation's by grace, sanctification by separation, but there's singleness of mind and purpose. They were on the same page. In Acts chapter 2, that says that they were with one accord and the Holy Spirit came and fell. Now, as there's this controversy they have to deal with in chapter 15, they're still of one mind. They're still one purpose. They're still focused together uh, serving the Lord. And then there was God's chosen men. In verse 22, verse 23, verse 25, Verse 32 through 35 speaks of the chosen men 
who were sent to confirm the things that were stated and concluded in uh, in the church at Jerusalem. Now, I'm thankful that John 15, 16 says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And he said that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, it may be given you. God has chosen us. I believe with all my heart. You say, how do you know that? Because you're alive. This is 2019. You're not living in 1820. You're living in 2019. God has chosen us to be that witness. God has chosen us to be that testimony of the way of salvation. I believe that God has chosen Ocean County Baptist Church to reach Tom's River. You say, well, how do you know that? Because we're here. We've been here for 39 years, getting ready to celebrate 39 years of uh, being in Tom's River. God did not establish this church and plant this church to ignore false doctrine. God did not establish this church for us to neglect sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. God put us here for a purpose. And we need to be singly minded in our purpose. And our, the will of God being accomplished in our life because God has so chosen us. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't run into anybody else out there uh, going door to door. Jehovah's Witnesses are out there. Mormons are out there. I don't see any other Baptist church out there. Hear a lot of complaining about people saying, well, it doesn't work to go soul winning because people don't want to talk to you anymore. Well, just realize this. When you go up to the door, there's a camera looking at you, so smile. Amen? <laughs> and there's a good thought. If they don't let you in, you can always talk to the camera <laughs> because it will notify them that somebody's at the door. Amen? We live in a strange world, but we cannot uh, ignore the times that God has given us. This is our day. This is our hour. As Paul and Barnabas had to deal with those issues in their day, and we may have to deal with those issues in other churches, and you will have to with people that you witness to, but bless God, we as believers in Christ can have it settled in our mind what we believe about salvation. And the most important doctrine I think that people need to understand is the way of salvation is by grace through faith. All the other doctrines you'll find out in experience uh, after you get saved. But all those other doctrines don't do you any good if you're not saved. And so we need to accept the call of God upon us to share the message that is a correct message of salvation. Don't muddy the waters. Be straightforward, be honest with people, and tell them that we're saved by grace and by grace alone. They say, well, how do you know that? Well, we have Acts chapter 15. It was a, it was a settled subject. It didn't say anything about being, people being predetermined to go to heaven or predetermined to go to hell. No, it said that we're saved through faith. By the grace of God. And it's only by God's grace that any of us could be saved. We do not deserve heaven. There is not one person. If somebody says, well, I got saved, but I know God wanted me to be saved because I'm a good person. They didn't get saved. They may have prayed a prayer, but they're still caught up in pride and their pride's going to send them to hell. And so we need to be straightforward. We need to be honest about the fact that it is through grace. 
If it were not for grace, we would not be saved tonight. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, thank you so much. This is a great chapter, so much in it. Just tried to highlight some thoughts, Lord, and certainly want to focus on the conclusion uh, that the early believers and the apostles came to that is in line with all the scriptures that a man is saved by grace. Lord, we had communion tonight. It reminds us that we were saved by the grace of God because it wasn't what we did. It's what Christ did for Cal on Calvary for us. I prayed you'd help us to take this good news, share it with others. And Lord, it may be multiple places that we can come in contact with people. Uh, they're so confused, they're so mixed up. Uh, help us to give them a simple truth, a very uh, easy way uh, to acknowledge the love of Christ is that God would save them by his grace unmerited favor and so help us lord bless us uh, work through us we pray in jesus name amen